Hello, welcome to the TechPros.io Thought Leadership Podcast, where business and technology leaders share solutions to common challenges in their sector. I'm Tim Bond, founder of TechPros.io and your host. In this episode, three marketing leaders offer solutions to a marketing challenge facing all technology vendors. That is, how to reach and engage both technical and business buyers. Technical audiences seek detailed specifications, compatibility and integration feasibility, while business audiences prioritise strategic and financial benefits. Joining me to discuss these challenges is Dana Salman, a senior marketing leader with over 17 years of experience. Dana is experienced in developing and implementing full lifecycle marketing strategies, including product positioning, messaging, go-to-market, product launches, and content creation. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Hello, Tim. Nice to be here. So, Dana, please share your thoughts on this challenge that we're talking about today. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is a fairly common challenge, especially within the B2B SaaS space, where you're dealing with a buying committee as opposed to one individual uh, for the most part. And typically that committee, especially in the SaaS space, consists of technical buyers, so developers, CTOs, and so on, and also business leaders. It could be a CMO, C, you know, <laughs> CEO, uh, business managers, CFO, what, what have you, depending on the type of software. And the challenge that we as marketers in this space have is how do you tailor the content, the education, and engage these different audience audiences, which are all important. Because if, for example, if you only engage the business leader and you ignore the technical user or the developer, for example, it just won't get passed because the folks who are going to use the solution are going to block it if they're not convinced. And conversely, you can have developers who very much advocate for your solution, but if you cannot prove value and ROI to business leaders, then they just won't sign the check. So that, that, Balance is very much important. How do you make sure that the end users of your solution are engaged? Uh, and first of all, are they a good fit for your solution? That's really the critical part. Do they have the need, the, the jobs to be done for your solution? And then how do you also prove a long-term ROI and value and reassure the buying committee. That's really our job is to reassure the whole buying committee that they're not making a huge mistake by rip and replacing their existing solution or by implementing this whole new solution. Because a lot of these, a lot of times these types of solutions are quite expensive. It's a big, it's a big, um, commitment, uh, for investment, uh, both financially, but as well as training people. Um, you may need to hire specific people to run these solutions. So there is a lot of risk involved. And our job as market marketers is to reassure our target uh, prospects that, you know, this is the right solution for you. And this is why, you know, you don't have to worry about <laughs> taking this risk with us. So as challenges go for marketers, you know, how, how high up do you rank this generally? And, and, you know, how, you know, in your, in your experience over, over, over the 17 years that, that you've spent in marketing, you know, 
are are companies typically getting this right or is this a challenge that that companies are often failing at um i've seen i've seen both sides of that spectrum and everything in between i think the companies that do it really well know that they are not dealing with one monolith type of customer um and they try their best to customize an individual you know uh, customize the, the not only the content but even the 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 way in which prospects engage with your solution or learn about your solution um for example i've found in the past uh in, in a past company that no matter what we put on the website the developers would go right to the documentation mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just read the documentation they download the demo the free trial version the open source version play around with it and then they'd come to the website and read more about it and so on whereas business leaders may you know they're not going to go right to the documentation they want to see which logos you have on your site you know which customers have have already bought from you um is it a good fit for the industry challenges does it solve their specific pain points and jobs to be done um and they may never even go to the documentation section so companies that do this successfully know that they're dealing with um diverse buyers and know how to map their icps and segmentation properly and map the customer journey to those different icps and then customize the content the education and the flows to those specific personas and icps uh, within that customer journey to maximize value Rachel Chesters is a fractional CMO with 15 years of B2B marketing experience across primarily banking and financial services. She works with early stage SaaS and cloud service providers and also social enterprise. What's kind of best practice in persona mapping? Yeah, so one of the things I would start with is almost doing it as a bit of a creative exercise with the marketing team, possibly bringing in people from BD and sales to sort of just ask them, you know, who, who who's your audience and and um, who are your stakeholders as well? Because I think persona mapping is is sort of both of those things, um, especially in the sort of you know B two B marketing where um, you're you know you're you're not it's not a sort of um, uh, it's not as customer centric as maybe a B2C persona mapping exercise would be because you have to consider maybe partners, introducers, that wider stake, stakeholder network, which may be your sort of customer in a way, um, or certainly have a kind of place in that journey. So yeah, I would start with a sort of creative exercise, just getting people to sort of, you know, think and mind map a little bit around who these, um, who the that stakeholder network or that customer network might, might include. Um, yeah. I think it then helps to sort of map the customer journey for each of those kind of target personas that you come up with. And so when I say creative exercise, you know, I mean, having a bit of fun with it, you know, Bob, who is the factory manager in Hong Kong, who makes the widgets that, that would apply to one of my clients at the moment because we're we're map- doing some persona mapping for for some factories that they uh, that they have. So you're kind of almost nailing it down to like an actual persona, an actual char- a character, um, if you like. Um, but then I think you need to kind of wind it back a bit, step out, and look at what is the actual customer journey for each of those types of personas. So what are their touch points with you? And that's where you can start to think about where what elements of your um, of the marketing mix they might see or might be kind of visible in their um, customer journey with you. 
um, whether that's, you know, are they likely to come onto your website? Are they likely to interact with a chatbot on your website? Are they likely to be looking at your LinkedIn or your Twitter? So just to start to see where those touch points might be. Um, and then from that, you can start to sort of devise the content that would speak to them at those yeah. different touch points. How can you how can you pigeonhole human beings mm. the likelihood that they're going to be you know taking certain steps when it comes to say research mm. or you know which social channels they're on so how do you how do you go about concluding these sorts of things so I think one of the things that we can be guilty of as, as marketeers is only speaking within our own bit of the business which typically the, the, the people we might speak to the most often which let me give an example from the, the SaaS tech companies I've worked with. So we might be guilty as marketers of speaking to our colleagues in our own marketing department, but then maybe our BD and sales colleagues as well. We're very comfortable, you know, interacting with BD and sales. That's our day job. But actually probably who we need to go and speak to is the techies um, that we might typically speak to less as marketers because actually they're probably the ones that are going to say to you, no, 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 that developer that might be interested in that product, they're not going to do their research on your website. They're going to be on GitHub or Reddit or, you know, that's yeah. where they live for example and of course in all of these situations you're always making generalizations um you know but i think to speak to to do as much sort of internal research as you can because probably someone somewhere in your business knows that persona or that customer much better than Brilliant. marketing BD and sales that, that's great so that's really that really helps so it's it's about speaking to people within your own internal organization just, just as to that should always be the starting point yeah what's about just as a thought what about external focus groups definitely they have a time and a place but i would never even i would never get to that point before i've done my sort of internal homework okay. um and then even those external focus groups again it can be about knowing your audience so you know i think if you were to try and get a load of techie developers if you were to say if you were London based, for example, and you were to say, come and meet us, we're going to put, you know, we're going to do it. We're going to do a focus group at a nice event. There'll be bacon sandwiches. There might be beers. There might be pizza, whatever there might be. Probably those that techie audience isn't going to come to that. You'd be much more likely to get them if it's virtual. If you're speaking to um, uh, a, a customer group that might be more typically kind of out and about extroverts, maybe other salespeople or BD people. Yes, that kind of, you know, pizza and beer with a focus group might be a good sort of lure um techies i think if you if you take it um it, it's got to be online because they just don't want to show up to something that's my experience yeah. so again it's once you kind of are starting to understand and play around with those characters that might even inform how you would do something like a focus group but absolutely you have to get ex an external view on these things let me just dig into, you talked about Reddit and GitHub. Is that mm -hmm. right? Have I pronounced that right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know much about it, but I know that that's where my techie so, audience used to lurk. <laughs> right. So there's an example that, that there are going to be channels where perhaps the techie uh, personas and the developers mm. are going to be hanging out. And so mm -hmm. the, the point is, is to really understand all of those mm -hmm. and then figure out ways to, what, participate in conversations or yeah absolutely advertising revenue on them or what yeah it could be both um reddit interestingly we um had a scenario we wanted to reach more developers with our product a, a tech company i used to to work at we wanted yeah. because we want we knew that although they wouldn't ultimately be the decision makers if the developers weren't bought into the the um, tech platform that we were selling they would never even get as far as the decision makers so we tried something with reddit where we would look for mentions of 
our product or our competitors and we would then kind of enter that conversation and to start with it was people in our marketing team that were entering those conversations and to be honest it, it went down like a lead balloon they could tell mm-hmm. immediately they were they were being sold to it was yeah. um it was organic so it wasn't anything paid um but it just didn't work um what we then did instead was engage our own internal techies and so then they would enter those conversations and then um kind of hand off maybe to bd who had much more technical knowledge um than sort of the the sales team um and we would kind of we played around with it a bit and as i left that organization they were actually looking into um a paid um an advertising strategy based on based around reddit which wasn't something they'd done before um because they were finding they had been spending time and money and effort on linkedin and twitter and that was just not the right those were just not the right channels interesting okay so we've done a persona mapping exercise Mm -hmm. we've identified who the key personas are Mm -hmm. we figured out which channels they're most likely to be engaging with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then presumably the next stage is to figure out how to then leverage those channels in terms of creating personalized content yeah right which which is going to convert so talk Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that then what what can you share around those sorts of strategies or that stage in the in the process yeah, so certainly when when I get involved in that stage of the process, the first thing I do is usually look at what an organization is already doing and then and and how many leads that's generating and then whether those leads are converting. Because there's no point starting to do something that an organization is has tried and doesn't work, or there's no point stopping doing something that an organization is doing that is already working well and converting. So it's usually about looking at how many leads or inquiries an organization wants to um, generate a month and looking at that in terms of maybe sales qualified leads or marketing qualified leads and a value um, put on that. And then looking at what's working, what's not, what's already been tried and tested. And then I would usually implement a sort of test and learn strategy. So if it looks like something hasn't been tried or hasn't been tried properly and you're going to implement it, um, which might be um, a paid media approach, might be um, a paid social approach, looking at that trying it but but kind of managing expectations around iterating because i think some companies what they do is they get wedded to the idea of right well we're going to spend x amount with pr agency and x amount on paid social and then they almost like stick to their guns on that and can do that for months and months and months um before they stop and say it's not working so i like to think of it as like being ready and willing to make iterative changes so when you see something's working you do more of that when you see something's not work it working you get ready to pivot um and I don't mean on day one, obviously. I don't mean you try something for a week and then write it off as as, as failed. But you know, think looking at things like A B testing, um, anything that might give you kind of insights, and then when something's working, doing more of it, putting more resource behind that. Rachel spoke a lot about uh, persona mapping, understanding touch points. She talked about different strategies for engaging different personas. Yeah, I mean, she mentioned that it all has to start with a deep dive into the CRM uh, before starting to to talk directly to customers. I fully agree. I think uh, we need to utilize the the data that we already have, and looking into those C- that CRM data will really tell us what type of customers are buying from us, why are they buying from us, what was their pain point, what were their jobs to be done. Um, So that's a great starting point. And she also mentioned the need for not only customer personas, but also partner personas, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a very critical part of 
B2B uh, in a lot of organizations. One organization I was a part of, uh, partners or partner customers, partner revenue accounted for 50% of total revenue. That's significant. So partners uh, are also an important segment that uh, need to be mapped out as well. Oh, she also said, look at what's working and what's not working. We don't necessarily have to start from scratch. And I fully agree with that. I think leveraging what's working and, you know, pausing what's not working, trying different things is critical to success. I mean, marketing is not a science. It We do have a lot of data. We have a lot of technology that help us out, but we are, we are not looking at a crystal ball here. We can utilize data. We can utilize historical data and market data, but then we also have to do that testing and, and learn from our tests. Um, so I definitely agree with her there. One thing I'd like to add is with B2B uh, SaaS specifically, I think what's far more important than the personas are the ICPs or ideal customer profiles. So you have the total addressable market, right? Mm -hmm. uh, let's say you sell a solution to banks, just to mm -hmm. keep it simple. So your total addressable market would be the total number of banks in the geography that you serve. Let's say you serve North America. So it would be the total number of banks in North America. That's your total addressable market. But what's far more important than that is the total relevant market. Of these banks, let's say for, for simplicity, a thousand banks, how many are actually in need for your solution at this moment in time, uh, are looking to have this pain point, their contract is coming up, or they're searching for another solution, or they're expanding, or they have these new needs. So this criteria for the total relevant market makes up a big part of your ideal customer profile. And then you deep dive even more into size of company, revenue, geographic location, like I said, growth or strategies. So if they're merging with a lot of smaller banks, maybe that's a good fit for your solution. And it's about narrowing down that huge number and prioritizing the prospects that are the best fit for your solution. And that's where the ICPs come in. And ideally, you're answering the question, you know, as a blank, when faced with this blank problem, I want to do blank so mm -hmm. that I achieve this specific result. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really using all the data that you have, whether through its CRM, talking to customers, intent data signals to identify these ICPs, these personas as well. So who are the job titles you're dealing with? What, who are these type of people? Where do they congregate? Where do they have these conversations? And then you can map out your entire marketing strategy to acquire these type of customers. Melissa Ledke is a highly accomplished marketing leader with over 20 years experience of progressive marketing leadership in domestic and global IT services, covering travel, energy, health and wellness, and prop tech industries. She excels at implementing mission-critical marketing projects against tight deadlines to drive performance. We would actually go in for the sales team and we would select accounts for them and we would send them 50 accounts and they would, or 25, and they would narrow it down to 15 accounts that um, they had 
they that they that fit all the criteria for for a company that we would be targeting with this approach. And there was a whole list of criteria, but really it came down to are they ready to buy? Where are they? They're really close to the buying process. Um, and within that, then you're really at that point talking to the buyer, the person that is going to be making the decision, that's going to be signing the contract. And uh, or that's the intention. We don't always we weren't always able to get that high up the, the ladder at that point, but we were on they were in the in the shopping or buying stages. And so stop you, Melissa. How because I mean that's pretty amazing then. If so you're saying that each salesperson would have 15 accounts where you as an organization would be pretty sure that they were all kind of in that buying stage. So if we just sort of go back a little bit, how how would you get to that stage before we go in and start talking about the ABM strategy? That's a really good question. We we used um several different ways. First, there would be the, the salesperson who would have been already nurturing that client, having conversations with them, have been in, connecting with them. But also we used Sixth Sense data, which is the dark funnel. And you can see where companies are, um, what the things that they're doing, what where they're who they're connecting with. Uh, so as an example, you could see um, where a company, when a company is shopping because of who they're looking at, you know, if you're, or it's, it actually works, you could use it, I'm um, sidebarring here for a second, but we found that to be useful with our own clients, because we could see, are they, are it's close to contract time? Are they out there shopping? Where are they? What are they thinking about? So that dark funnel information was a really good way to understand where they are in their uh, thought process and their, um, you know, how they're thinking about their strategy. Um, and where they are and what what they're planning to do. Right. Okay. So it's predominantly um, sort of sixth sense or this sort of uh, intent-based technology facilitation, which would be deciding on which of the accounts would be the ones that sales would focus on, right? They would have to have a certain sixth score, um, intent score to qualify to be in that list of 15. Okay. Um, and so we there was a, a methodology for checking the box on all the different criteria for what would qualify them to be in this list of 15. So by the time we get that 15 narrowed down, then the uh, salesperson, and let me say one other thing, um, your tech stack is super important if you're going to do account-based marketing. There's certain technology that you really need to be successful. One of them is a, you know um, an intent software like we used six cents mm-hmm. i know others so um yeah okay and so so you've got your target accounts uh so to talk us through the process what what steps do you take next to be able to implement this highly personal abm mm-hmm. strategy we would actually after they selected their accounts they've narrowed that down the 25 that we would give them to 15 i think that was the, yeah. the breakdown something like that and we would then marketing and sales and the leaders would meet with each each one of the AEs and they would have to walk us through their their um thought process for selecting that count and explain using they would have um um they would explain to us why they selected them using the criteria that was established one of the criteria um 
was having um, the right number of contacts. And we found that with our uh, with the process that you needed a minimum of five contacts at a certain point in the process, and they had you know um, to be able to be effective. That's a kind of another sidebar, but there was an established criteria. So we would they would walk us through how they arrived at those fifteen. They had the option of switching switching out if we sent them a list and they didn't like some of them or they felt something would be better. They could switch it out, but they had to defend it. So it was a very so sales and marketing. When I say we were we were in sync, we were in sync. And so then the next step would be for one of my account based manager. Um, managers, they would use a, um, it was not, um, they would set up a series of cadences. um, And these were messaging. So it would be, I'm trying to remember whether it was, there was a certain number um, of 16, let's use that number. And it would be first, there would be an email go out, then it would be a call. And then there would be uh, and there might be an event in there where they would be connecting with them. So there was this series, this cadence that they would have to go through and they would every week we would meet with them and we would monitor to make sure because if they didn't, it was a proven methodology. We had proved it. It had been, we knew it worked. And so as long as the, the AE followed the methodology, they proved it proved to be successful. So Melissa talked about she sort of gave a kind of a, an overview of a use case, if you like, of ABM, and I think in a previous organization. Mm-hmm. And she talked about um, the dark funnel, the tech stack, um, the sort of the rigor, um, the, the between in the process, the importance of the kind of real deep synchronization or high synchronization between the sales, the AEs, I guess, and the, and the marketing team. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, she she said something interesting that she would present the sales team with 50 accounts and they would narrow it down to 15, but they would have to um, defend their case. So mm-hmm. there was a set of criteria that was agreed upon and then the, the big account uh, list would be narrowed down to 15 because if you're doing one-to-one ABM, you can't really do more than 10 or 15 per AE. So that was interesting. However, one one thing I would add there is for in in my, in my previous various roles where we were doing ABM, we did one to one ABM, but we also did one to few ABM and we did programmatic ABM, which is I would say run of the mill demand gen but more a, a little bit smarter with a little bit more data because I I forgot what the stat was, but maybe over 95% of companies are not ready to buy right now. They're not ready for you. So what do you do with these companies that aren't ready yet? Yes, you prioritize the ones that are ready, and those are the ones that you do maybe more one-to-one programs with. But the ones that aren't ready yet also need to be educated and nurtured through various various means. She mentioned the cadence of 16 touch points. This may vary based on the company, the industry, and the sales cycle. I mean, I've been in organizations where the sales cycle was six months to a year. So it was definitely more than 16 touch points. Whereas other organizations, it might take five 
really well thought out touch points to engage these different accounts. The intent data, I think, is is pretty critical. So she mentioned, mentioned Sixth Sense, there's demand base, there's a, a whole bunch of other solutions uh, that uh, talk about intent. And that's been really helpful to identify accounts that have been interested with combination with in combination with uh, website data. So, you know, combining which accounts are looking at your website and which accounts are also searching, you know, relevant search terms, they're showing intent signals. So those, okay. And again, it's an educated guess. So we can safely say, okay, maybe we can try these account, these specific accounts uh, with these cadences um, and, and see what what goes on there. What I would add here, because uh, you mentioned dark funnel data, and a lot of conversations happen in spaces that we're not <laughs> we're not there. Uh, marketers aren't available. Uh, it's private Slack groups. It's you know industry events, water cooler type conversations. So that's where it's important to really share your content and be an educator and a thought leader on these spaces way before the account is ready to buy. So this would, I think, fall under the kind of one-to-many tier of just education, adding value. Imagine if you're helping companies set their buying criteria. That's really valuable, and that really sets you up to win. Brilliant. Lovely example. I just have one question on ABM. And this is about going back to the topic here of personalizing content and I guess outreach to business people and technology people. When you look at ABM programs that you've been involved in in the past, are ABM programs typically run towards the business buyers or do you do you see examples where ABM is used towards the technical community as well? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it really depends on the solution. Um, in the solutions that I've been a part of, it's been mostly for the business side of the of the buying committee because, again, the developer side or the technical side is more about kind of the hands-on approach. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you cannot run an ABM program with including the technical side um, as well. It really depends on your business. And it's more a question of... Who are your, what are your ICPs? Who are your personas? What are your competitors doing? What are the jobs to be done? How is your solution uh, addressing those pain points or those jobs to be done? And then speaking to those points in a creative way. So using a multitude, a multitude of different touch points, emails, calls, uh, personalized direct mail, um, events, uh, whatever, whatever is in your arsenal to engage with these buyers. Avi Batnagar is a seasoned marketing leader within the security and data management sector. He is VP of marketing for Metallic, a startup within Commvault which is an 11 times magic quadrant company, which offers security and data storage. So great. I've said clearly there's a broad range of personas who you want to be talking with. Uh, you say it's a broad buying committee within an organization across you know, various different silos. So how do you go about 
segmenting them from a sort of a, a marketing activation perspective you know what are all the sort of strategies that you're deploying and how do they diff how are they different from persona to persona yeah it's um definitely you know kind of a, a blend of both top down and bottom up strategies that we have implemented you know mm -hmm. we are using a kind of a three different routes to market one is more kind of inbound which is more kind of traditional demand gen digital marketing efforts that are more you know to be able to ensure that we're building mind share and market share um and awareness um you know then there's another route to market is for more outbound focused which is programmatic and more abm where we're you know defined set of accounts that we know are fit our you know ideal account profile overlaying that with our ideal customer profiles and doing you know outbound abm and then the third route, you know, which we chatted about in, in the last week, as well as the product-led growth motion, which is more of our bottom-up motions to focus more on the admins, the actual day-to-day -day users to, uh, to sh you know, be able to uh, let them try the product uh, on, a, on a trial basis and let them see the value of, of all the features and functionalities available across all of our different workloads in a size down, you know, 30-day trial that, that's available to them as well. So those are kind of our ways to be able to penetrate into uh, the, the different personas and the different uh, job levels that um, that we focus on. Do you cater for these different personas across those inbound or outbound, or do you take a, a kind of a one size fits all approach in terms of right? We're going to create this content that is going to be all encompassing that is going to hopefully be interesting for the CFO as well as as, as perhaps the, the mid-level technologists uh, or do you do you have a different approach and I guess the same question for outbound yeah I'd say um you know for the inbound outbound there's you know we are looking at it in different stages of the funnel as well yeah so more kind of top of the funnel and the awareness um stages it's kind of you know one size fits all but right. as we nurture users down in the in the consideration stages then we get a little bit more persona specific right uh, and then that's where we have some level of you know um segmentation within our database to be yeah. able to take users down different tracks and different yeah. talk tracks and um you know education is important across the entire buyer's journey and therefore there's different types of uh you know material that we have in our wheelhouse to to support the different types of personas. Have you experimented with sort of intense strategies? And if so, what and how and what's been the results? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, very uh, op, uh, great, you know, uh, opportunity for us when we think about intent data, right? Everyone has their own kind of, you know, marketing mix of how they use intent data, right? And um, and what I've experienced um, in the current role in terms of how we build out, you know, leveraging intent signals is different than what I've experienced in different companies. And, and what I've learned is that each, each company has, a, has their own kind of unique way of identifying that TAM using intent data, right? right. And, um, you know, for example, here, um, Commvault is um, heavily invested in um you know cloud partnerships with like the giants like the microsoft's and the oracles and the amazons of the world right so it's sometimes you have to be a little scrappy in terms of how you even think about intent right so for example the fact that we have these partnerships 
open up the opportunity where, you know, our sales teams have been receiving these massive account lists from those partners like Amazon, Microsoft, and Oracle. I'm talking in the thousands, right? So when I found out and learned about the fact that we have this source, right, for data that comes from, because we're a preferred um, ISV or independent software vendor, and, you know, we were able to tap into it from a marketing perspective, use that data as a baseline to then be able to use lookalike modeling, to then be able to look for different types of indicators to see, we know that these are the right customers because they're coming from our, you know, our, our cloud ecosystems. We know that they have the right technology infrastructure in place, uh, but we want to see if they're the right fit. Are they the ones that are doing research on cloud backup? So it helped us be able to build kind of like a, uh, a strategy, a more of a programmatic strategy where we can use intent in the right way to at least get some level of confidence that this is the, the this is the right way to be able to identify the the set of accounts that matter most to our business. Have you got any other thoughts or comments on on sort of intent marketing? Yeah, one other there is like you know obviously it's a it's an iterative process, right? You know when when thinking about intent, you have to kind of refresh it on a regular uh, on a regular cadence in terms of like the accuracy is is going to continuously be changing right one other you know approach that we're have have done in in past lives and we're going to overlay here and my current company as well as when when the you know the baseline is the most critical component right you had mentioned you look for signals whether it's you know people are downloading assets or visiting your website but another baseline source that people companies have used is that they look at the existing set of customers as the baseline to find lookalike accounts, meaning similar accounts that fit the profile using, you know, predictive modeling. You can build out, you know, you can use a tool like a Sixth Sense or um, even demand base to be able to find similar accounts that fit the profile of your existing customers to give you um indicators as in terms of what your baseline would be so what we're looking to do now is you know the the source that i mentioned the the thousands of accounts that we've gotten from oracle from microsoft from amazon is um you know overlay that and do kind of uh, um, a lookalike exercise to find similar accounts that sit in this baseline to then then overlay to see if there's any kind of third-party intent signals there so it could get even more and more sophisticated but I think you know our biggest you know challenge is uh, capacity and time to to make all this real. Avi was talking about sort of three key engagement strategies, which covered outbound, inbound, and product-led growth. And he was talking about how if it's top of the funnel, he typically uses a one-size-fits-all strategy. But then um, towards the middle funnel, I guess where there's some intent, some engagement, then that's where. Um, typically, uh, he invests uh, time and resources in in a more personalized sort of marketing strategy. Um, and he goes on and talks about quite intelligent or interesting ways to use intent data. Yeah. So what I found interesting about what Avi, Avi mentioned was the integrated approach that um, he's been following. So he mentioned inbound to build kind of market share, mind share but also outbound programmatic ABM for the ICPs, as well as product-led growth. Um, and again, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's really dependent on the type of company product industry. Um, but in the past, I found that 
an integrated approach uh, such as Avi, uh, such as the one Avi mentioned, mm -hmm. is the best uh, course of action because you need to cater to different buyers based on where they are in their buying journey. Um, now, I wouldn't call that uh, necessarily a one size fits all. Uh, so in a previous company, for example, we had content that was specifically targeted to different industries on the website. So on the top of the funnel, um, so that they can immediately filter in and shuffle into their appropriate industry. Um, and the, the webs, the homepage also addressed these different industries. So you can add uh, some customization, even at the top of the funnel content, uh, it's not going to be super customized, but at least you, if you can speak to the pain points of these specific industries, um, then you're going to be more relevant to these types of customers. You know, Avi had some quite interesting examples of how he was using intent data. Perhaps you could just share any final thoughts on, on those strategies. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, intent data is is absolutely critical when you're trying to do more customization and really identify that total relevant market that I mentioned earlier. Um, and combining that with, so combining different uh, sources of data to give you as full of a picture as possible. Um, again, it's not an exact science, but we're we're getting as much data so we can get clues, right? Um, and intent data, so one example of an intent signal could be uh, relevant search terms in combination with, uh, you know, the company coming onto your website or you're connected in some way or they've seen one of your posts on, on, social, on social or you've interacted in an event in the previous month or, or year, whatever. Um, so... We, we need those intense signals to not only prioritize those accounts, but also, as, as Avi mentioned, identify lookalike companies. And that's something that we've really done in the past, you know, looking at our CRM, looking at our happy customers that have been with us for a while and they're, they're great. They, they don't have any issues. They really love our solution. Well, they're not that unique right mm -hmm. there are others like them so that's where the intent data and in combination with the crm and website data can help not only um identify as i mentioned top priority accounts but also you can expand that to include lookalike accounts as well so just sort of ready to wrap up dana just just tell us a little bit about your um your consulting business would you yeah, sure. So um, I'm currently a fractional marketing leader, and I typically work with uh, startups and scale-ups that need to grow their marketing function or set up their marketing function. I'm a full lifecycle marketing leader, and I've kind of done the whole gamut of it. I can uh, I can support organizations with that on a fractional basis. I've done brand and content work as well with uh, with uh, startups and scale-ups to really identify their brand identity, their content pillars, uh, their content library, and so on, and also set up their uh, demand gen engine as well. Okay. And if anyone would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so, Dana? Yeah, the best way would be you're, I mean, you're happy to connect on LinkedIn, uh, Dana Salman, or you can go to my website, danasalman.com. And that's S-A-L-M-A-N? That's right. Brilliant. Dana, thank you so much for your time today. And of course, to Rachel, Melissa, and Avi. 
And um, we look forward to speaking to you again sometime in the future. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks for listening. In the show notes, you can find links to all the participants, along with any of the technologies or resources we discussed. Also, if you're an experienced B2B technology marketer and would like to get involved in the podcast, please register your interest at techpros.io. You can also email me at tim.bond at networksunday.com.